What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's the first post game of the season. I told you guys we were going to do stuff a little bit differently this year, and we are. Um, so I, like, I'll make it short and sweet. These post games, sometimes we get a little bit long-winded, and we run down different paths and talk about a bunch of different stuff. So really, what I want to do this season is focus solely on the game. So these are going to be quick hitter podcasts. Um, sometimes it may be short, like 15 minutes, but we're not going to run any more than 35 minutes on these post games. The Grizzlies win 127-122 in overtime. And Jake LaRavia didn't show up in the first four quarters, but decided in overtime that he would play some basketball <laughs> and becomes the, uh, the, the the man of the game, I guess. I, I don't know. I'm not going to go that far. He, he looked pretty rough through the first four quarters. Not that he played that much early, but uh, I, I'm glad he kind of figured it out. But I will say this with my whole chest right now, when this team is fully healthy and no one is suspended, he is not a rotation player on this team. Candace, what do you think? Yeah, I would agree with that sentiment. I mean, what else is the preseason for other than for Jake LaRavia to be getting game-winning baskets, right? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's pretty much just to let you know what time of year it is. And I didn't see anything that I think really translates. I mean, two of five is – He's the kind of guy that needs to be a sharpshooter. Like he would need to be a Luke Kennard type shooter to really be a valuable contributor. He's just not quick enough on defense. He's got the try hard, so you can see the effort, and he tries to use his his uh, wingspan to get deflections or uh, steals, but it just doesn't come together. And I just don't see it. I don't see it for him. I think. Uh, Roddy's got a clear case for being head and shoulders above LaRavia in rotation. I know maybe this year we thought that maybe there'd be some competition, but I, I, I don't think so. I just I just don't see it with Jake. So, you know, good good for him to get a spotlight, honestly, while he can, <laughs> while, while the opportunity presents itself. Because, yeah, I, I think not seeing Jake LaRavia during, during the regular season would be ideal for me yeah yeah I'm 100% agree I, I just there's so many things and and I am the king of not rolling on a player too early but some of these guys that are beating him off of the dribble are not guys that are going to be getting rotation minutes yeah and and, and we watch that like we watched that in summer league, we watched it last year. Um, you know, the fact that he was able to be a little bit more aggressive and overtime is kind of promising. But it's like, what does this coaching staff have to do in order to beat that out of him? It's like, hey, Laravia, go out, be aggressive, shoot the ball, take your shots. And I won't say that they're forcing him to do that, but it doesn't feel like he, he, he still feels like he hesitates a little bit too much for me. He took 14 shots tonight. Um, I didn't pull up the full box score. I just got the final box. I wonder how many of those shots I'm going to pull it up. I wonder how many of those 14 shots came in overtime. Uh, yeah, I don't see that. I don't see that breakdown here, but I, I would, I would reckon a lot. 
for sure. Um, why you pull that up? But but my thing is, I mean, he played nineteen minutes, and um, uh, if I'm reading this correct, it looks like he had what, five fouls. So, I mean, if you're letting dudes beat you off the dribble, and when you are trying to get a, def- a deflection or steal, you're fouling. Again, I just don't see the value. But I mean, he got a shining moment, but for sure that doesn't take away from my overarching view on him. Um, he'd have to show me a lot more for me to change my opinion on him. Right now, I see him as a back-end guy. And I think right now, uh, it, based on when he came into the game, he was super late in the fourth quarter or like midway through the fourth quarter before he saw minutes, I believe. I, I got a feeling that the coaching staff views him the same. Yeah, well, he was like – he came in the end of the third and he played, it looks okay. like – uh, just under four minutes in the third. Okay. And All so, right. not, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I may just be kind of overacting, maybe a little bit, but he, he just – there are things about his game that I don't feel like they're up to par. And and I'm not going to go out and say, oh, he's not an NBA player. Obviously, like, he's got the talent to be at this level. But when this team is fully healthy, I just don't think he cracks the 10-man rotation – and I mean, we've been like, so okay. Let, let me let me. His shots were so four. Of his shots were he he took ten shots. It looks like before overtime started. Yeah, only four. I, I felt like it was more than that, but I mean that that's okay. Let me ask. That's when the, he started me, making them. That's when it started. Yeah. That's when they started to go in for sure. Half so, his shots went in in overtime. But before that, they were they were bricks. If we're talking rotation minutes, who would you rather see in the rotation between Conchar and Laravia? I I gotta say Conchar. Okay, and I think hey, somebody I'm, who who was really hard on Conchar last year, but I think he could just give you more his knack for rebounding. Uh, he can he can depending on the matchup, he can defend pretty well. I think it's matchup dependent for him, but I think he gives you a little bit more on that end. And if he can get that three shooting stroke back, I mean, I'll trust a Conchar three before I trust a, a LaRavia three. At least when Conchar shoots, it looks, even if he misses, it's close. Like some of some of Jake's shots are hard bricks or like air balls. And that, it's, it, it, it doesn't give you a lot of optimism. So, yeah, I'll take Conchar and his reliability, his hustle plays. Uh, Jake tries to give you that, but it just doesn't translate to – positive plays on the court so let's go uh let, let's get away from the the, the negative that we're giving the here let's start we start off a win with uh with negative that's uh that's great we're, we're not <laughs> pessimistic all the time i promise you uh derrick rose makes his uh grizzlies debut and no walker he didn't have a walker on the court if you if you yeah. <laughs> listen to david Talk about him, then. You think he'd have a walker on the court with him the way he's early. It's early. Like, I, if I am wrong and he stays healthy and the Grizzlies get to the playoff playoffs with him being healthy, that's a fantastic win for the Grizzlies because even if he's not super explosive, he's been in the league for a long time, he's extremely crafty. And he can go and get you points off of the bench. Let me so ask it, 
like, I feel if, like you're moving the game post here. I feel like you're moving the goal post a little bit. Because no, no, I still I I 100% stand on the fact that he's not going to be healthy enough to be truly impactful on the floor for the Grizzlies this season. I think that he's going to play more of the um, I mean, I just lost his name, Miami. What? Come on, Candace. You well, know you his said, name. Well, Udonis Haslam doesn't play at all. There's a difference between Udonis Haslam, who literally is just a healthy scratch, and the yeah, and, and, and like Derrick Rose, who when healthy can play. Now, I I don't think anybody's going to argue health with Derrick Rose. And, and that's like I I'm not trying to like when when I initially said that Rose is going to be more of a Haslam role instead of like a uh, a plain vet, like. I didn't mean that as a bad thing at all. Like having guys like that in your locker room, there's a reason that Haslam has been getting a paycheck for the last, I don't know, when's the last time he played real minutes? Exactly. Six, That's the point. seven years ago. Exactly. Like, th- there's That's- a reason he's getting a paycheck. And so if if that's the only thing that Rose brought to this team, I still like the signing, but I just think that there are some people that have like illusions of grandeur with him. Like they, they think that we're going to have prime Derrick Rose and that's not the case. Looks great tonight. He was bouncy. He was shifty. He got to his, his marks like he done everything that he wanted to do. And it, in his first game, this is exactly what you want to see. You want to see him coming out and doing this type of stuff. I just don't have confidence that he's going to be able to do it for any stretch throughout the season. And if I'm wrong about that, fine, I'll eat the crow. I'm I'm not backing away from it for sure. I just want I just I just want to distinguish the difference between a guy not being healthy to finish the season and Udonis Haslam. Again, that's not to to, to thrash on Udonis Haslam because I agree there is plenty of value in that. But I do think he will be more than just locker room presence. I think if he's on the court, he's going to be able to help the team. And I think I I stand by. I don't see a huge difference between what he can do and what Tyus did. To be honest, I mean, sure. Maybe his numbers aren't as high, but I just don't see a huge drop off there. Now, the health, you're right. It's a question, but I wouldn't say that if he's if he's on the court playing meaningful backup point guard minutes and doing a good job, that's far more than Udonis Haslam, right? Because like you said, it's been like three or four years since he's even played meaningful basketball. Right. Yeah, yeah, so. for sure. And I, I think you're right. I mean, some people are, are hype, but I also think that's because some people sort of clocked him dead and washed on site. And so I think some of that is just people kind of running victory laps on the fact that he doesn't look washed when a lot of people, you know, said that he would be. Um, I will say, I I think all in all, a lot of people don't think that he is going to be prime Rose. I think most people understand that. But I also think, like I said, part of it is kind of a little bit of a victory lap just because some people kind of had him, like I said, like he won't even, like he won't even see the court. And um, I think it's obvious watching him at least that he's still got some game left. Now, is it sustainable? Can he play long, long periods of games? All questions, but it, it's good to see him still be able to contribute in a meaningful way on the court. Yeah, 100%. Uh, the, the Grizzlies struggled from three. I, you're talking yeah. about we needed Ravy to kind of be more of that Luke Kennard type player. Bain was one for six. Kennard was one for four. 
Laravia at two for five actually shot the best percentage uh, of it. Well, mm, mm. yeah, yeah, he shot. No, we had Lofton made one. And Rose was one for one. All right. Well, any any Grizzly with multiple attempts, Laravia shot the best percentage. So, you know, it's shooting seems to be an Achilles heel for this team. And I don't think you can really one preseason game be like, oh, no, they're they're in trouble. Like, I don't I don't think that at all. I think that the shots were just not falling. Bain's not going to go one for six night in and night out. Jaron's not going to go 0 for 4 night in and night out. And, you you know, you're going to see Kennard definitely shoot better than 1 for 4. So, um, let, let's go go ahead. If you got something there, you can go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to add just, you know, I, I definitely agree with that. I, I don't want to make it sound like I think that that'll be an issue. It was good to see them get the shot, shot attempts up in that short period of time. So, it's good that, you know, you like to see Luke. Uh, toss it up and I think one thing to note is that at least with Bain we've seen that it sometimes takes him a while to warm up and I think he's okay with that right he likes to be in mid-season form in mid-season so I think you'll see um that really improve over the season and Luke Kennard might be the same way it made it may just be that way with shooters in general takes him a while to really get in the rhythm and then when they're in the rhythm like they're unstoppable so um definitely not worried about that mainly for that reason yeah, and, and Bain looked good out there. There's no – I didn't see anything to be concerned about. Like, the toe looks good. He was getting downhill, making cuts, like sticking that foot out, planting, and going the other direction. I the, I think that he's good to go. You know, that that's something. 17 points, uh, four assists, four rebounds from him tonight. Three turnovers. Would like to see that be a little bit better. But I think – it's very easy to see that he is going to have a ball in his hands a lot more, at yeah. least while John Moran is out, because you saw him initiating offense quite a bit tonight. And I, I think that's to be expected because he ran those second units. I mean, yes, Tyus ran second units, but they kind of would alternate coming up and down the court in terms of who was executing the offense. And so um, I expected that. that. That's sort of along the lines of what I think. And I think he was trying out some things, too, with those turnovers. So you kind of – I don't mind that, especially in preseason, like seeing what you can get away with, seeing what are the tests of your your limits. Um, I, I think that that is totally fine. Hey, what are your thoughts on we, – we saw Adams for about 12 minutes tonight. He came out uh, – Rose hit him with a pretty nice pass for an easy dunk for Adams. And he looked pretty good coming off of the floor – how are you feeling about him? After that media day interview, it was very weird. He kind of left people in a spot where they were questioning where he was at. If he was going to be able to play, are we still weeks away from him being able to play? Then we saw him five on five scrimmage in the open practice. And now he comes out first preseason game. Again, it's only 12 minutes, but but how'd you feel about Adams tonight? Yeah, I felt great. I, 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 uh, he did. He looked like Stephen Adams with his rebounding, with his screen setting, and you know, I, I always felt like people were a little bit worried about that for no reason because I thought what he said in the in the presser made sense. You're asking a guy who has not played meaningful scrimmage basketball in months, does he feel like he can play? And he essentially said it would be irresponsible for me to say that because I haven't played. 
right? And and Stephen Adams is the kind of guy, kind of guy who's gonna downplay before he upplays anyway. Like he's just naturally like you ask him about how great he's rebounding, he just like I'm just big, Mike. Right? Like that's just like that's just Stephen <laughs> Adams anyway. So it sort of made sense to me that his answer would be that way. Um, and it and based on what Jenkins was saying, based on what Zach left some wiggle room climbing, left some wiggle room in there, but. To me, I think they just wanted to see him get out there. I think all expectations were that he would be able to get out there and play. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been given the green light to play. Um, if they were still managing his minutes or like saying that he wasn't going to be a full participant, then I would have been worried. But because he was a full go, to me, it's just a matter of making sure he doesn't have any setbacks. And so far, so good. Yeah. Yep. I like what I saw from him. Love him. you know, he, he freed up um Bain on one play where he went and he set a screen, got Bane wide open. There's a ton of space for a mid-range jumper. And I'm like, okay, yeah, good, fantastic. Get him on the bench. Let's get him to the regular season healthy. Keep working on that knee and getting it string uh strong. So uh he he doesn't battle with this injury moving forward. And and along um, those lines, I, I don't know if you were gonna go next, but I I just got. I just want to emphasize that these guys have got to find a way to rebound without Stephen Adams, which seems to still be an issue. You would have thought that the way things went in the playoffs, they would have done a better job emphasizing that, um, figuring out ways defensively to to be more engaged in that. And sometimes you just saw people trying on the opposite side of the court, not even trying. And so it just makes it. It's still frustrating. They didn't go get another backup big, which I didn't agree with, but I understood, I guess. But they've got to figure out another way to rebound. If you're not going to go get a big man, you have got to emphasize rebounding. You can't just continue to rely on Steven Adams. And so that seems to be a reoccurring trend, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little frustrated by that, to be honest. So I know that Jenkins addressed that in a timeout later in the game because uh, Pete and Brevin mentioned it. They were talking about uh, second chance points. Um, Indiana had um, 16 offensive rebounds for 25 second chance points tonight. And then you saw Zaire go out fighting for a rebound. And and that's not that you would expect him to be the guy that's picking up the slack. But there was a great dialogue going on. Did did you see the conversation about – I think you may have actually been involved in it – about Jaron blocking shots and then nobody being around to rebound the block? Correct. Correct. Yeah, so I, 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 it, it's – in the media day, when Stephen Adams was asked about Jaron and his rebounding, Stephen Adams – done a great job of talking about the scheme of things. You know, he, he didn't really go into a lot of detail about what the, what they were trying to do exactly, but he was talking about rebounding, and the question was asked if he was helping Jaron with rebounding. And, uh, he you know, Adams, oh, he's, he's got a problem rebounding, you know, um, but he, he mentioned that, the scheme makes a difference. Yeah, Jaron is is seven foot plus, and I would love it to see him pull down ten rebounds a night. But also, if Jaron's pulling down ten rebounds a night, he's not blocking five shots a night. 
Great. So you you have to have guys. Uh, Santi had six defensive rebounds tonight, eight rebounds total. You have to have a guy that that's their assignment. If Jaron is going to be allowed to kind of play free safety, if you will, and and roam out there and be that elite help defender, which he's probably arguably the best help defender in the league. If you're going to design your defense and allow him to do that, then whoever is in there in the Steven Adams role, whether you're playing Jaron at the five and Santi at the four, or you got X in there, how it doesn't matter who it is that's out on the floor. You have to have somebody that's in there that's crashing the boards because it doesn't matter how great your defense is. If you don't rebound the basketball, then you're going to give up second chance points. And they they were not rebounding the ball well at all tonight. So I think that, number one, Jaron can't be the elite defender that he is and rebound the basketball at the level that some people have expectations for. And number two, this, this lies on the coaching staff of getting these other guys to be in the position, hey, you know who Jaron is and what he can bring to this team so I'm going to need you to go out there and do what you can on the boards because we need to allow him to do what he does defensively and we need you guys to clean up the mess. And I think that that needs, that needs to be the way that it is. I don't know how that's getting presented in practice because obviously I'm not uh, not there and not in the coach's huddle or anything like that. But I, I think it's not a Jaron rebounding issue. I think it's uh, – somebody that's not Steven Adams has to go out there and get it whenever he's blocking these shots. Exactly. Yep. hundred percent agree. He can't, it, he can't, it can't be expected that he's got to block rebound and also be a heavy, be heavily relied upon offensively because people forget that, especially with John out, he's going to be relied upon offensively, not just to be aggressive, but to also be efficient. So he's supposed to do all of that and get all the rebounds. So what's everybody else's job? I guess is my question. Then what what do they do? And so, yeah, to your point, I, I think it is part coaching and also part effort and just guys being aware and not trying to get out. I think they're so used to being a fast break transition that sometimes that hurts them in the rebounding. I think that Brandon Clark plays so well off of Jaron when, when he's healthy Jaron can do what he does, and and BC is a good rebounder. And so he goes out and he, he does that. And, and I think that that's one of the biggest things that they miss from him right now. And as well as Aldama's been playing, there's a lot of chatter about, well, if Aldama keeps this up, BC is, you know, he he's expendable. And I don't know that we're to that point just yet. May, maybe – the Grizzlies are at that point where they feel like, okay, let's get Brandon healthy and then we can package him up with somebody and ship him out to go get a piece that we need or maybe not. You know, I I don't know, but you could tell that Clark and, and Jackson have played together enough. They kind of feed well off of each other. And, and that's something that they're missing, whoever that's going to be, whether it's, it's X or, or, Aldama or Kenneth Lofton Jr. or Gigi Jackson, whoever it is, uh, so something has to be fixed there for sure. Yeah, things just to watch for with that is is just 
you know, Adama did lead the team with rebounding today with eight, uh, seeing if that is something that can be consistent. I mean, you don't expect him to lead the team, but like, can he consistently rebound, especially on those second units and the the defense? Because right now, while as advanced as Santi is uh, offensively over BC, what this team is lacking right now is big man defense and rebounding. So, he would have to improve in those two areas for that to legitimately, in my opinion, be a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So let's talk about this. Uh, t- tonight's starting lineup was Rose, Kennard, Adams, Jaron, and Bain. Marcus Smart was out. We found that out pregame. So I, I think it's, do you think that Rose got the start because Marcus, uh, holy crap. I butchered that. Sorry. Woo. Yeah, do you think that Rose got the start because Smart was out tonight? Or do you think that we were going to see Rose, Smart, Adams, Jackson, Bain? What do you think? What do you think happens to the starting lineup if Marcus Smart plays tonight? That's an interesting question, especially because it's after, right? So I think initially the answer would be they wanted to start Marcus. But because Rose played so well. It, it might be a conversation. And I always assume that they wanted Luke to come off of the bench anyway. So they could just decide to just plug Smart in there where the, where uh Luke Kennard was and keep Rose at, as a starter and see what that looks like. Now, I'm not sure if they'd roll into the regular season with that or not, but I got a feeling that we're going to see. I mean, J- Jenkins already implied he's going to run a lot of different lineups anyway for the starting position. So I don't even think it looks this consistent for the next game. I think they'll probably start some bench guys and see what that looks like. But in general, it's now a conversation for sure. Um, Do you want Marcus to have to deal with adjusting back to being a shooting guard after Ja comes back? Or do you just keep him in that same role and just plug and play Derek for Ja? It's, it's a legitimate question. Now I will say, obviously, I didn't realize he only played 13 minutes. I was going to say he only had two assists, but actually for 13 minutes, that's you really can't beat that. Six for eight, 13 points and two. Yes, Man, super efficient tonight. Whew. Super efficient. Yeah, that's like that's like Tyus efficient. Okay. Um, yeah, that's a real conversation to have. Um, and I think they're good either way. That's what I like about Rose doing well, no matter if you think it's sustainable or not. What it does is give the Grizzlies some versatility options where, and maybe they even do it as a matchup thing. So we'll see. But it, you like having the options and you like having versatile guys there that you can move around depending on what you need. Yeah. I, I think that, um, you know, well, Jenkins said he's going to play the multiple lineups. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like what you said was correct. Heading into game two, we're going to see more of like the bench guys start to kind of give them um, more of a run. But yeah, overtime didn't, didn't yeah. help with that a little. Um, but I, I wonder what game three looks like for them. Yeah. You know, like what starting lineup is Jenkins going to actually run a bunch of different lineups out there or not? And that is obviously game two. I fully expect it to be a different starting lineup, mm-hmm. but I, I'm also kind of not expecting the starters to really play. And so that's why I think that the starting lineup will be different. But whatever happens with it, when we get to the next game, whether that happens to be game two 
or if it's game three, when you get back to the guys who are projecting to be starters, I'm really interested to see what he does with that. So let, let's talk about uh, – we've got just a couple more minutes here and then we'll wrap it up. Let's talk about right now we, – we kind of talked about Ravia closing out the overtime and looking good. It seems to me like Roddy and Zaire are a tier above the Ravia at this point. Yes. And maybe that it's Z's position to lose. Do you feel that way or no? Well, I think they play Roddy a lot at the four. So, not necessarily. Uh, they they tried him out a lot at the four this particular game, and maybe that was just an experiment, and you'll see him play more of the three in the next game. Um, and he did get, I mean, one more minute, but they played them both. So, it's really hard to say. At this point, I would still go with the neck and neck. I'm not sure that they're really – I don't have a ton of evidence to say that they're really pushing Z over Roddy in any instance. They got kind of equal minutes, opportunity, run time, and it's only one preseason game. I know they talked a lot about Zaire, but honestly, even Zaire being neck and neck with someone is head and shoulders above where he was last year, right, where he was pretty much on the bottom of the barrel, and rightfully so, because when he got on the court, it was just a mess. So he looked better. He looked improved compared to last year, obviously. That wasn't going to take a ton, but you love to see it. He does play with more confidence, which is obviously a big part of his game. Now, shots weren't falling for him the way you like, but they weren't falling for a lot of guys. So it's hard to really count that against him. Uh, Roddy was more efficient with his time. And so, I mean, if you were just judging on this game alone, you give Roddy the edge. But I think just in terms of upside, you'd love to see Zaire and see if those some of those shots can fall for him. Um, now, he does not – I heard some people mentioning that he doesn't tend to dominate against those – in those second units when he could have opportunities to. And I think that's just because that's not his nature. I think he is – he can be a quality role player for you if he's efficient in his shooting and he's good on defense. But that's probably about his ceiling. I think the fact that he's not dominating in those situations lets you know he's not – I mean, because Desmond Bang was killing people, right? <laughs> he was killing second units uh, in his time. And so he, he's not Des, I think, is, is sort of obvious to take away. I think people wanted him to take that Desmond Bang leap. And I don't think that's going to be it for him. But if he can become a valuable rotation player, that's more and beyond what, I mean, that's what the Grizzlies need. They need that at this point. Yeah, I mean, development-wise, so Bang was how old coming in the league? He was... He's 25 now, 22, 22, 23. Yeah, 22. So it's a senior. You know, year one Bane is what we are right now with Zaire. So what do we see this year from Zaire comparatively? And I know that, you know, NBA experience is obviously different than the college level. So there's a bar. And I – I tip for the most part agree what you're saying that Zaire is more of like Bane could be an alpha guy and right. Z- Zaire is going to be more of that I'm okay being an elite role player type. Right. And and that's you know, if he turns into an elite role player, the ceiling for this team goes up substantially like it, it's it can make a massive massive difference for this team so we're, we're at that 30 minute mark 
told you guys we were going to keep it short, so we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. There's a ton of stuff that I feel like we could have uh, jumped into. We didn't talk about Kenneth Lawson Jr. and his minutes. Um, would love to see him get more than 11, to be honest with you, but he we, will we won't. Game. Yeah, yeah, we're, I, I'm not, I'm not going to hammer on that. Isaac will be back with us for the next game. Candace, we're going to wrap it up, but before we go, I want to give you an opportunity. You got anything else that we haven't talked about that you want to hit on before we go? No, I think overall for preseason, it's, you know, you just got to take what you get. I think there were some good takeaways, Um, obviously some trending issues, but potentially printing issues, but plenty of time to fix those. And also, you know, you got to wonder how hard guys are playing <laughs> at this point in the season, obviously. So uh, overall, great night, even better night when Grizz win. So yeah, that's it for me. So, yeah. the I think the, the most important thing to take from game one of the preseason is it's game one of the preseason. Correct. So we, we appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll be back Tuesday night with another post game. I think Isaac will be back with us then. We'll see. If not, we're going to try and bring him to you. Um, we're definitely not going to miss as many games as we did last season. Last season was nuts. If I have to roll solo on some shows, if Candace and Isaac have to do them, if, if Candace wants to roll solo, we will have – post-game coverage for you as many nights as possible this year, barring anything crazy. So uh, you can go on Twitter, find the show at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at NBA Will 21. Isaac is Isaac underscore underscore NBA. Candace is going to let you know where you can find her and take us out of here. Yep. You can find me on Twitter at Candace H901. Uh, be sure to give the show a follow. We try to do giveaways, so make sure you're you're giving us attention. And like that, like David said, we will be here with more consistent coverage for you, trying to get you some practice access and things like that. So make sure to stay tuned with us. In the meantime, that's it. We're out and we're home. Sorry, I can't, guys. I tried. <laughs> I'm not Isaac. I'm not Isaac, but we gone.